Welcome back to Talk Green to Me, a podcast about materials and sustainability. I'm Nasreen. And I'm Manali. How's it going, Nasreen? Didn't your family just get cats? Yeah, and it's awesome. Are they fuzzy? Yeah, they're super fuzzy. Floofy, even. Oh, my God. Do you give them catnip? Yeah, they love it. We have videos of them. They go all, meow, I'm a cat, I like catnip. (laughs) Well, did you know that catnip can grow hydroponically? I did not. What, What is hydroponically? It's a way of growing plants and vegetables in water without any soil. Sounds difficult. It's actually not that bad. I'll tell you all about it. So this is episode 24A, Controlled Environment Agriculture, Growing with the Flowing. Growing with the flow. <laughs> Manali, we recently talked about how soil and fertilizer is essential for plants on episode 22 about phosphorus. But are you telling me that that was all a lie? No, it's not a lie. There's definitely value in soil and growing plants and vegetables in soil, but some plants can actually be grown without soil. But how? Basically, plants can be grown in large water baths and nutrients can be added to the water to ensure that the plants are getting all of the essential elements that they need, like nitrogen and phosphorus. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, it is. And it's called hydroponics. It's one of the two main types of controlled environment agriculture. Ooh, fancy words. It just means that you're producing plants with controlled structures like greenhouses rather than outdoor farms that are open to the elements. Yeah, and a lot of these are done without any soil. Hydroponics is the main form of controlled environment agriculture, or CEA. The other is aeroponics. For aeroponics, you actually don't even grow in water. You leave the plant roots exposed to air and mist them with water and nutrient solutions that the plants then absorb. Hydroponics is the easier of these two methods of plant production and will be the main focus of our discussion, but we can talk a little about aeroponics as well. That's good. We wouldn't want the aeroponic plants to feel left out. But before we delve too deep into this, let's talk about why CEA is even a thing. We already have farms that grow food, right? So why disrupt the system? There are actually many reasons. One of the main reasons is availability of crops throughout the year. I do like being able to eat vegetables all year round. Same. And unfortunately, outdoor farms can't always produce fresh fruits and veggies all year round, at least not all of them. That's true. There are definitely summer squashes and then pumpkins, which grow in winter. And strawberries are summer berries and usually don't grow well in colder climates. But what if I want strawberries in winter? That's where the controlled environmental agriculture comes in. And it's not just for wanting a zucchini in summer. Without greenhouses, some parts of the world, and even the U.S., would just not be able to produce any fruits and vegetables in winter. 
that's already true. Not everywhere has the right climate, and therefore produce is transported greater distances from other states and even other countries that can still grow the same fruits and vegetables you want, so that people have fresh produce to eat all year round. That hardly sounds fresh. Yeah, there's definitely loss in quality when produce has to be transported so far. And think of all the energy used in transport. The emissions! It's a lot. And even then, some of the food will spoil during transport, so there's quite a bit of waste as well. Why do we live like this? It's pretty tough. But that's why controlled environmental agriculture is gaining popularity. Oh, good. So what are some other reasons for interest in CEA? CEA can also help protect crops from disease, so there's less waste and spoilage even during the growing stage, not just transportation. That makes sense. And you're also not limited by availability of good soil and weather since everything is controlled. That's right. You can set up a CEA farm just about anywhere. And as population grows, climate changes, and water and food scarcity becomes more of a problem, being able to grow more produce with fewer resources and have more food is essential. Okay, so how does controlled environmental agriculture, or CEA, work? It all happens in a large enclosed structure like a greenhouse. You have rows of plants growing in controlled water baths. But greenhouses have existed for many decades already. That's true, but the traditional greenhouses have used soil. In CEA, you can remove the soil component. In our episode on phosphorus, we talked about how only around 5 to 20% of the nutrients from fertilizer get into plants. That's very sad to hear. Not a great statistic. No, but using hydroponics, you can use a fraction of the nutrients since you ensure that the plants absorb all of it from the water. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's why CEA is emerging as a new way of producing food. I feel like hydroponics has existed for a while, though. It has, but previously it was more in the realm of vertical farming. What's that? It's where you farm vertically, duh. That's not helpful. Oh, okay. Basically, vertical farming involves stacking. So you have rows of plants stacked on top of each other, but each row needs its own water and its own lights. So you'll have a lot of artificial lighting since only the top row on the stack get any sunlight. Exactly, which can lead to really high energy usage, but it does allow you to grow a lot of food in the same land area. How much more? There are estimates that you can produce the equivalent of four to six acres worth of crops in just one acre. That's quite a bit. That'll definitely help with feeding the growing population of the world. Yes, it will. But now with CEA, you can expand to beyond vertical farming, where you don't just stack your plants. You allow the natural sunlight to be the light source. But how do you grow as much without rows or stacks? Typically, this new type of CEA is used for vine crops that can grow upwards naturally. So things like tomatoes or cucumbers. Whoa, that's so cool. And that way you don't need artificial lighting. 
Exactly, but with both traditional vertical farming and CEA, you do get water conservation and lower land usage and even lower pesticide usage because of how you control the environments around your crops. PSA, cucumbers are for eating, not for scaring cats. What? Wait, why are they being used to scare cats? There's these cat videos where people will put a cucumber behind a cat and then the cat will turn out and turn around and then freak out and jump like three feet because like cats are somehow scared of cucumbers. It's because they're green like snakes. Why would you do that to your cat? This is, <laughs> this is why I want to have a PSA. Protect cats. <laughs> So what are the things you have to control or take care of in growing food this way? The main environmental factors are temperature, humidity, carbon dioxide, and light. For light, you also have to look at intensity, duration, and intervals. Yeah, and these can all be controlled. Many hydroponics and aeroponics farms are grown under artificial lighting so they can control the duration and intensity of light the plants get. What about chemicals? For chemicals and nutrients, the water itself is highly controlled. In CEA, you control the acidity or pH of the water and the quality and hardness that comes from minerals that are in the water. And you also add in nutrients that plants require at the levels that specific plants require, such as nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus. So you're basically adding fertilizer directly into the water. Yes, and the plants are grown with their roots in the water so they can absorb all the essential nutrients. Because you control everything in the facility, pests are kept away from the crops. Yeah, pests including insects and animals. Pesky birds keep eating the blueberries growing in our garden. If only you were doing a hydroponic berry setup indoors. True, I goofed up. And now we have to use pesticides. JK, we actually just let all the berries get eaten by the birds. <laughs> Rough times. Well, <laughs> CEA facilities don't need pesticides or herbicides, which is a huge benefit to this type of production. What about bacteria? These facilities use UV light to get rid of bacteria that might sneak their way in. Maybe bacteria from the people working there, though. Oh, there's some people? It kind of sounded like these places were all monitored by robots. Well, actually, some of the newer emerging facilities are very high-tech and do have robots. Oh, no. So are these places taking away jobs? And are we all going to get taken over by robot overlords? No, the robots are more like digital monitoring systems and highly automated systems for making sure all the levels are correct. So like an automated thermostat, but not like an AI pretending to be me. Yeah, kind of, but also for all the other factors like humidity and lights. Okay, that's cool. I bet that helps maintain high yield and productivity. Absolutely. The automated systems can add the required nutrients if something is running low when the water is measured and turn the lights on and off throughout the day to make sure plants get just the right amount. This way, all of the growing conditions are optimized so you get the best produce. Yep, but at the end of the day, you still need people to work in the facilities to make sure the recipes are correct. What recipes? Like soup? Sort of. 
Well, different plants require different levels of nutrients and light and water, and these are all called growing recipes. And a person decides these, not a robot. Yes, a person. Again, the facilities are not run by robot overlords, and ultimately, people are the ones who know what the optimized conditions for growing foods are. That makes sense. I guess an automated digital system would not realize that a vegetable was wilting and tasted bad. Exactly. And you also need people to harvest all the crops that are grown. Oh, so that part is not automated. No, people still will go and pick the strawberries or lettuce, but the collection and packaging is often automated. This all sounds really great. Why don't we just switch all farms to CEA? One of the main issues is that it's very capital intensive to start. So at the moment, it's just too expensive to set up CEA greenhouses everywhere. That makes sense. You have to build the structure and also set up the rows for plants and the water system. Exactly. And if you want to really maintain everything well without the need for constant human interference, then you have to automate a lot of the processes. That means putting sensors everywhere and bringing in the robots. And even then, it can take a while to figure out exactly which of the settings are working within your greenhouse. What do you mean? After you set up your farm and control the settings, you have to give the plant some time to adjust, and then people will provide feedback on the taste of the crops as well. Oh, that's true. It would be really lame if you did all the settings and controls and then you had really bitter lettuce or bitter melon. Except you can't grow melons this way, can you? Wait, but they won't be bitter. Is this a thing? It's it's a crop. I don't know if it's a vine crop. Oh, okay. It was a play on words. So it takes a couple of growing cycles to figure out all the tweaks. That also means that it will take a couple of years before these farms make any profits. Yeah, which makes it really hard for the companies to get started in this field. Aside from this, there's also the high energy usage. That's right. CEA requires a lot of power in the greenhouses for monitoring and controlling the temperature and humidity. Which means there's a high carbon footprint associated with CEA, which leads to a lot of fossil fuel usage. And leads to high greenhouse gas emissions as well. There's also the dependence on technology, which means that losing power for a few hours or a day can be catastrophic to CEA farms. And the use of a generator leads to additional energy usage and emissions as well. Exactly. So there are definitely some disadvantages to CEA. It's not all rainbows and sunshine. It's a bit of rainbows and sunshine, though. Definitely. We've already discussed a lot of the benefits, but it's worth reiterating them. One big thing is being able to grow year-round. Yes, without outside weather and environmental factors affecting crops, you can grow crops not just in the summer. And you get a higher yield because you lose less to pests and in general have less crop damage. And the farm is not affected by pollution or floods or climate change in any way, so you get a lot more of your produce. And CEA uses less land, like we mentioned already. And far less water, since you don't lose any water to runoff and evaporation. And because of that same reason, you use less fertilizers, since everything that you put in will get taken up by the plants. 
Also, there's less need for pesticides with the lower exposure to the outside environment. Oh, yeah. And remember episode nine with our dietitian guest, Valerie Espinoza? She said sustainable farming is connected with our health. Having a more plant-based diet with fewer pesticides, less pollution, and more access to affordable produce means more nutrition for our bodies. Oh, my God. I think it is all rainbows and sunshine. Sugar and spice and everything nice. Wait. No, Nasreen, we did just go over this. There are some disadvantages as well. Oh, right. Yes. Yes, fine. But back to the benefits. These farms can be set up anywhere, even in arid areas and areas that don't have good access to healthy soil. This helps increase supply for the higher food demand. And because these farms can be anywhere, you can have them closer to consumers. That reduces food miles, which means less distance traveled as, and as a result, less food waste. And lower emissions from transport. Exactly. And I bet food tastes better, too. Yeah, since it doesn't have to travel as far, produce can taste far more fresh and retain more of the nutrients. Better for our bodies. And requires less packaging, since it doesn't need to stay fresh on the shelf for as long. Check out our episode on Circular Economy, where we talked about food packaging. But these benefits, are they all just theoretical right now, or are people actually doing CEA? There are several companies that are doing it. Most of them are using the vertical farming model. This includes Jones Food Company in the UK, Urban Farm in Germany, Bowery based out of New York, and Plenty in California. Plenty is the name of a company, not just saying there are plenty of companies in California. I feel like they could have done some better naming. Yeah. Anyway, there are some companies that are doing CEA without using vertical farming by growing vine crops, like we mentioned. Yes, but this is still a much newer approach, and only a few companies are working on it right now, including AgroCare in the Netherlands and App Harvest, based out of Kentucky in the United States. There's even one company called AeroFarms, based out of New Jersey, that is doing aeroponics. Good old New Jersey. We've got cranberries, blueberries, and peaches. And we have the beets. Wait, do you actually? Actually, I don't know where beets are grown, but we've got the beets. Actually, I think that's the West Coast and the Go-Go's. You've got Bon Jovi. Oh, we're halfway there. Oh, living on a prayer. Aeroponics uses even less water than hydroponics since crop roots are basically misted with water and there's no need for full submersion. This is really hard to do and doesn't work for all plants, so we mostly see salad greens grown this way. So Manali, there are several companies working in this field already. What's the next step? Well, there is a push for this industry to to grow, but it is not established yet. Why not? The technology is still new, so most of these companies are still pretty fresh and are startups with venture capital funding, at least in the U.S. Fresh like the produce? (laughs) But the industry needs to develop more. What else? Well, right now, CEA farms require fossil fuels to run, so we need to work on getting renewable energy as the source of power. That's true for the world as a whole, right? Yeah, absolutely. The more we can shift to wind or solar, the lower greenhouse gas emissions we have from fossil fuels. Which will definitely be a benefit for future generations overall. Absolutely. And speaking of future generations, 
CEA is a new, new type of farming with lots of technology involved. So we need to train future generations to be able to do this. So education programs? Exactly. Students and workers need to be trained in this field of being able to combine farming and harvesting knowledge with technology. Many agricultural programs and universities have started incorporating CEA into their curricula as well, which will help develop future generations of farmers. That's great. We definitely need to have future generations grow food in a more sustainable way so we can feed everyone. And there's also some nonprofits and companies that are working to provide this kind of training, like Farm Tech Society and even App Harvest. And in fact, on our next episode, we will be hearing from Travis Parman, the Chief Communications Officer at App Harvest, to learn all about their sustainable farming operations in the heart of Appalachia. Travis mentioned that App Harvest does a lot of outreach and training for high school students to learn controlled environment agriculture. That's awesome. And we learned a whole lot more about this field from him in general. Stay tuned for our next episode for more info on App Harvest. While I wait, I think I'll go grab some vertically farmed veggies and catnips. Catnip. Wait, I don't have cats. (laughs) And I'll grab some catnip for my kitties. Sounds delicious. See you next time. This episode was edited and produced by Manali Banerjee and Nasreen Khan. Music is by Shang Young. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGTM Podcast, or you can email us at talkgreentomepodcast at gmail.com.